Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality they make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Hey listeners, it's Mishi. Last week we released our 50th Wartime Diary. This week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating Wartime Diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained, So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. I said, if my leaving my home will even save one life of, of a Jew, I'll go, but it won't. And, and we said it time after time, and unfortunately, nobody were listening. We were sure the situation in Gaza will be a lot worse, and we said it all along the time. If you're going out, we'll have here Hamastan. <sighs> hey, listeners, it's Mishi. So as you know, during these incredibly difficult days, we're trying to bring you voices we're hearing among and around us. These aren't stories, they're just quick conversations, or postcards, really, that try to capture slivers of life right now. In the summer of 2005, the government of Israel unilaterally withdrew from Gaza. The roughly 8,000 residents of the 21 Jewish settlements within the Gaza Strip were forced to leave their homes and their communities. Communities which, for decades, the government had actually encouraged and incentivized them to inhabit. The evacuation, or disengagement, or expulsion, all depends on your political point of view, 
brought the country to the brink of a civil war. This was especially palpable in the tense relations between the residents of Gush Katif, as the main block of Gaza settlements was known, and their neighbors from the other side of the fence, the largely left-leaning residents of the kibbutzim of Otef Aza, all the same kibbutzim that, 18 years later, suffered most in the Hamas attack of October 7th. Now, former residents of the Gaza settlements, many of whom never stopped dreaming of returning to the sand dunes of the Strip, feel at least partially vindicated. Had their communities not been dismantled back in 2005, they claim, the army would have still been in Gaza, and none of this calamity would have happened. One such voice is that of 63-year-old Datya Itzchaki, who used to live in the Gush Katif settlement of Kfar Yam. Our producers Adina Karpuch and Mitch Ginsburg went to visit her in her still-temporary trailer home on the beach just south of Atlit. You'll also hear Datya's husband Arye chiming in from time to time. Okay, here's Datya. Can you explain to us a little bit about where we are? So, um, the way they evacuated people from Gaza, it was in, in communities. So, we joined a community here. We're the last group uh, of Gush Katif that still has a problem. We didn't build our permanent housing. So here, there's a camp of uh, 16 families that live here already 12 years. They moved about, what, 150 kilometers north along the same coast. (laughs) Same ocean, the same Arabs. Should we go inside? Can you start by introducing yourself? Okay, my name is Dati Yitzchaki. Uh, born in Kfar Harwe, and I got to Gush Katif in 1984. Kfar Yam, it was houses on the beach that already existed, and beginning it was two, basically, families. And uh, we didn't have electricity. We had a generator, and they would uh, basically put on the generator uh, for the news. So between eight and nine in the evening, we had electricity. <laughs> Um, we had water, sometimes not. Uh, it was uh, what they call it yeshvut bodedim. I don't know, lo- uh, lonely, uh, not so lonely, but bodedim. No, no, <laughs> yeah. I came there, I was single. And you know, they told me, what are you coming to Gush Katif here? It's sand and sand and married sand. You'll never find anybody here in Gush Katif. And I was the spokesperson of the municipality, and I met my husband. <laughs> He's a tour guide. Uh, we met on the stairs of the municipality. I came down and he came up. <laughs> really, we felt completely free. Uh, grocery we did in Khan Yunis. I learned driving in Rafiach, my, my driving... Instructor. Yeah, it was from Rafiach. That's why I drive today like that. I have an excuse. <laughs> so it was a beautiful area, beautiful beaches, you know, a swimming pool. And people came. They came for recreation to the Gaza region. You know, my family came to me when they wanted to have a nice uh, weekend or something like that. 
all of it changed uh, when the Intifada started. But still, you know, everybody saw it as their home. It wasn't a thing that, okay, you know, it's dangerous. We, we get up and we go. It's your home, so you fight on it. In the second Intifada, there were 6,000 uh, bombs that fell on, on uh, our communities. Uh, Neved Kalim, uh, Netzer Khazani was hit, Atzmona was hit. Uh, 6,000, and at the time also we didn't know how to deal with it. There was no uh, uh, mamad or shelter or thing like that, you know. So in Eved Kalim that's bordered with Khan Yunis, really the, the, the line of Khan Yunis is, is the fence of Neved Kalim. They got all the bombs on them. And like women will tell me that uh, they have to decide at night what child to put underneath the steps, because that's the most safe. Uh, so every night they put another ch- child there. It was very hard. But again, you know, it was our home. Nobody thought of leaving. So there are a lot of miracles. We lived from miracle to miracle. And there was never a moment where you said, is this worth it? No. We felt that we are Zionists. And we're, you know, it's like today, soldiers are fighting Gaza and they don't ask, is it worth it? We felt like that. Yeah, it's worth it, it's your home. Arik Sharon, he was living very close. You know, the, the ranch, Chavad Shikmim, is near Zderot. Many times, problems in Itzarim, you know, security, things like that. The first one to be there was Arik Sharon, to come and help the people, really. And then he would go and said, if Gush Katif wouldn't have been here, we would have to establish it for the security of the state of Israel. Because the only way to control what's happening in the Gaza region and from the border of Egypt is the civilians uh, being here in Gush Katif, Arik Sharon. I saw it in my eyes dozens of times. So we were there because Arik Sharon said it's very important to be there. And then the same power that he had to help and to build, he had to destroy it. The Israeli parliament approved the disengagement plan. Israel had no intentions of staying in Gaza and was proceeding with a full withdrawal. The disengagement has begun. Thousands of IDF troops and police officers entered Gaza settlements this morning to hand out eviction notices to local residents. I know I sent it, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon's unilateral plan of retreating from the Gaza Strip was in contrary to his statements before the elections. Gaza Strip settlers refused to accept that they will be evacuated. They also refused negotiating with the Israeli government. It was a very, very bad feeling. It was betrayal because you don't believe that your army 
is is trying to I don't know conquer your own house and you're evacuating citizens that were settled here by the government you're going against the values of, of settlement of the land you're going against values of security it's interesting it seems like your ideology and your conviction never changed it's just that the public perception of it really changed yeah suddenly we weren't already Zionists we were an obstacle for peace <sighs> At the last day, um, we stood on the, on the roof and we had the children up on the, on the roof. And basically, the army of Israel came to us on the land, on the sea and in the air for one house. <laughs> and we still tried to convince them that what they're doing is a mistake. And it's a crime against humanity because it's, it's, you know, they're going and uprooting people from their legal house. And uh, in the end of the day, the army of Israel succeeded. So they took us on the bus, and uh, that was also something very, very hard. Because uh, first of all, we went out, we went through the Mawasi, our Arab neighbors that were cheering that Israeli army is evacuating Jews. And then we went out of the Gaza region and our neighbors from the kibbutzim were standing there and cheering because they're taking us of the Gaza region. They were, they were like standing on the street on the side just cheering? Yeah. <sighs> Can you describe for us like some of your feelings on October 7th, having had, you know, sort of a tense relationship with them? I think, uh, first of all, it was a shock, like everybody else. Listen, it was a tense with these kibbutzim, and for more than a year, they were standing every Friday uh, in the junction with signs saying, uh, come back home, leave Gaza, and... We have, uh, we have a video with me arguing with one of them, and this guy is now in Aza, kidnapped. Mm -hmm. So we tried to explain to them, we're now, you know, your bumper, we're there in order to make sure that you are s be safe. Once we're out, you have a big problem. And, you know, they said, you're an obstacle to peace. We want peace with the Gaza region. We know them. You don't. I know them. I lived there 21 years. Believe me, I know them. I know the good. I know the bad. And they pay the price. I feel very big sorrow, very big pain, double pain, because we knew how it could have been prevented. We said it will happen. And because of it, it, it hurts so much. We said Hamastan. But the amount, the, the, the huge tragedy, the, nobody could, could think about it before. It, it's a disaster, really. So what does Gaza 2025 look like in your eyes? So first of all, clean Gaza from terror. Second of all, uh, take all the people out, the Arabs out of Gaza region and resettle them. Put them in a place of their own. Sinai is open. There's a lot of place there. 
take all the money of the world and I don't care, you know, build them the most beautiful houses there is. And third, build back the, the communities that are supposed to be there of Jews. You would be willing to move uh, if, the go- if the army gave and the government gave you the green light in, in a month, in 30 days, they said you can go back to no electricity on the beach. Would you be up for it? Arik. So you say in one hour you're willing to One hour. One hour. Okay, and your wife? Yes, for sure. You know, home is a lot more than than an apartment. Home is a place that gives you the the feeling of security, of of something else. And that only was in Kfar Yam.
לשם. עוד נשוב, אימא, עוד נשוב, עוד נשוב לשם, עוד נשוב לשם, עוד נשוב, אימא, עוד נשוב, אם המבצע מסתיים, אני לוקח סירה שיש לי ואני מפליג עם דתיה בליווי של חיל הים לכפר ים. נוחת על כפר ים. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 